0: Hey there, thanks for checking out our Welcome to Wrexham channel. Today we're going to be recapping Season 1, Episode 1 of Welcome to Wrexham, where Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney buy a Welsh football team. If you haven't watched Welcome to Wrexham, you're missing out. Uh, You can check it out on Hulu, Uh, you can check it out on FX, you can check it out on Apple but with a, an, an add-on subscription. But if you've got a Hulu um, subscription, you should be able to see it. And now is the time to get caught up because season two launches in August of 2023. And I'll just say real quick that I saw the show when it first came out and was extremely interested in Rex and Red Dragons and the team and watching uh, watching it and was trying to find out how I could watch the matches from the US. and um, There wasn't a lot of options like you could find on the official Wrexham YouTube channel, like highlight clips and stuff like that. But then in December of 2022, National League, which that's the league they play in, it's called Vanorama National League, finally caved to pressure and decided to start broadcasting the matches and, you know... Even though they're the lowest tier in English football, the National League, um, they have a lot of fans. They have local fans, and when people can't be there for a game, it's nice to be able to stream it. But they just didn't have that option. And Ryan Reynolds, you know, he's such an amazing businessman, and he was pressuring them. However, National League claims that they didn't cave to pressure from Ryan Reynolds to stream them. They just, you know, came to it of their own accord, whatever. I still think it was Ryan's pressure or Rob's cause Rob's kind of relentless too. But the bottom line is you can get for 80 pounds, which is about a hundred US, you can get a streaming pass that will let you watch. So I bought one in December and my college age son and I have been like possessed people. We have not missed a match. They went through the fourth round in the FA Cup and I actually signed up for ESPN plus me who has never watched a sporting event really since childhood when I grew up around NASCAR and I don't watch that anymore. So, um, this was like the top rated gift that, that my son got when I handed him the streaming pass, he was just over the moon. So, um, if you are interested, mind you, watching the live matches is effectively getting spoilers for season two, but totally worth it because they've had just a great season. So I'll talk a little bit about, um, as I go through the recap, what's what we see on the screen versus what I know to be true now based on following the team very closely. As the the first episode kicks off, we get a little information about the race course. The race course, of course, is the, uh, the venue where they play in Wrexham, Wales. Rob McElhaney talks about that there's people coming to that stadium and have been for 150 years. Uh, we're going to see Ryan Reynolds, you know, impressed by that. He's going to lay down, roll around on the grass in the pitch, which is something that the groundskeepers don't love, but they're really excited to be there. This, this first scene is actually a fast forward because then they're going to go back in this episode and do like the origin story of how they got the team, but they're both over there and the team has just come off a loss and the two of them worry on Welcome to Rexham that they're gonna turn out to be villains, to be seen as villains if they can't turn this team around and if they have to turn around and sell it. But both of them are like, F that, we're gonna make it work. So they're very determined and that counts for a lot. That's at this point in time. And then we rewind back to when the two of them are bidding to buy this team. Everybody in Wrexham is very skeptical. They're they're wanting to know why are these Hollywood guys, you know, why do they want this like everybody in wrexham knows who ryan reynolds is that's you know deadpool everybody knows that they've seen you know free guy this and that um actually uh, just a side note of interest is when free guy debuted he did a little uh, movie premiere for the people of wrexham to come free to see it so he they've both gotten very enmeshed in the, the culture of the town but at the time they wanted to know why now for rob mcelhenney he is A sports fanatic. He grew up in Philadelphia, cheered the Philadelphia Eagles. He lives and breathes them, and he talks about that on the show. But U.S. football and U.K. football, as we call it in the U.S., soccer, but for purposes of this, because it's a Welsh show, a show set in Wales, I'm going to call it football because they call it football. But uh, soccer is very different From football, you know, hands, feet, lots of differences. We'll get a look at Rob talking about growing up among the working class people in Philadelphia. There's a little clip of him with his dad, Bob McElhaney, and he's back in his childhood home where there was actually an outhouse out there back in the day. Um, He's got, Rob's got his son, Leo, with him, and he talks about how Wrexham reminds him of when he grew up in Philly, blue collar, working class people, and he counts himself as that type of person and a lot of that probably you know, you can see it in his work ethic and all the different things he does i don't know how well you know rob McElhaney most people know him from always sunny in philadelphia me personally i love mythic quest which is a, a show that he made and uh, he and charlie day who are two of the co-creators of sunny um created it although charlie day doesn't appear on it mythic quest is about an mmorpg uh, multi, massive multiplayer online role playing game. And even if you don't like video games, which I don't, unless it's like, you know, Ms. Pac Man, I don't care for him. But even without being into video games, it's an excellent show. And if you are into video games, you'll recognize a lot of the cutscenes from the shows from famous games. So if you haven't seen that, check it out. Put a little more money in Rob's pocket so that he can help pay the expenses for the football club. A central figure in all this is Humphrey Kerr. He is a big, tall guy he's English. He went to Eton, which is a top-notch school, if you didn't know, and he is uh, an actor. He has a little bit of, you know, 20-some-odd acting gigs on IMDb, but primarily what he does now is he works for Rob McElhaney as a writer, and he's one of the writers on Mythic Quest. Um, So Humphrey was the one who kind of put this in front of them. So there's a scene in LA where Humphrey is in Rob's Backyard, And if you don't know, Rob McElhaney is married to Caitlin Olson, who co-stars with him on Sunny. And he's out there teaching them and their family how to play some UK football, a.k.a. soccer. Um, if you, Humphrey basically says that he and Rob are more than just co-workers, that they consider themselves friends. And growing up in the UK, Humphrey is, of course, like so many people, obsessed with football. And Rob wanted to understand that, and he also fell in love with the idea of the the tier system and how you can get promoted or demoted, which they call being um, relegated. You can be promoted up into a league or relegated to a lower league as you progress up through the leagues. There's more; the players make more money. There's actual broadcasting revenue because until. December, the the bottom tier league wasn't broadcast. So there was no broadcast revenue to split. So it's very interesting and it's definitely nothing like in the US. So there are four tiers in UK football. There's the Premier League. That's where like Manchester United plays. That's where David Beckham plays, you know, that that's like your Christian Ronaldo, your David Beckham's your very top tier famous soccer players play. Below that is the Championship League. Below that is League One, and below that is League Two. So it sounds like there's four tiers, but when you get down, the further you go down, there's like more striations, and in League Two, there's actually, um, it's like either tiers five through 10 or four through 10, I think it's five through 10. So um, the Rex and Red Dragons are in tier five, so they are actually one down in there. So it's, it's a really big deal, and the whole, the whole overriding theme of this show is getting into Wrexham and helping them get promoted out of this last last place spot. It's it's really it's an underdog story. If you like a movie like Rudy, you know that underdog football story. Uh, if you liked Friday Night Lights. And for me, I don't even care anything about football, but I love those kind of stories. You know, if you like anything like that, this is something that you should give a chance and you should watch. So basically how it works in uk soccer and they talk about this on episode one which is why we're going into it now is teams move up and down based on how well they perform the top four teams move up from league two to league one and the bottom four teams from league one drop down into league two for 14 season now the wrexham red dragons have been at the bottom of the barrel humphrey calls it football purgatory and he talks about just how hard it is to recover. He said it, it, it's like watching the New York Yankees get dropped down to where they're playing with you know AAA and then they're eventually playing against Little League that it's just this descent. And we don't have that in American sports teams don't move you know you have your your NFL team, even your AFL team you have your you know your professional baseball teams they don't move they are what they are you move up and down in the rankings each season based on your performance and your performance determines you know your draft picks and things like that but you don't get relegated and and stuck down in this weird football cast system that they have in the UK Rob McElhaney talks to uh, Humphrey about bringing a team up to the top but he says he knows that This is an investment, and they need money. They need money to improve the conditions. They need money for costlier, better players, for lack of another word for it. Not denigrating the players that they had, but they need stronger players, and that comes with money. You know how the top quarterbacks in the NFL cost gazillions of dollars, same deal. Rob says that he's got TV money, but he needs movie money, specifically superhero money and enter Ryan Reynolds. Uh, of course, Ryan is a mogul in the making. Not only is he a big star with his Deadpool franchise, but he owns a gen company, Aviation Gen. He owns Met Mobile. He has a cybersecurity firm and he's got a production company. And they show a little bit of that because his production company made the Adam Project for Netflix. And there's some scenes of Ryan watching rough cuts and talking about it. So uh, then we have Ryan Reynolds kind of talking about his past. He talks about how his dad went through several jobs and that Ryan Reynolds played sports. I mean, he's a good-sized buff guy, but he said he played sports for his father's approval well beyond when he personally had an interest in playing sports. He called it uh, an unquenchable thirst for validation from his father. And he did. He does call his dad a hard ass. but And his dad passed away before... Ryan kind of exploded into this Hollywood supernova. So uh, it's interesting. So Ryan and Rob are on a call with Humphrey. At this point in the storyline, Rob and Ryan have not met in person, but they're friends on social media. They became friends, and they say this in a later episode, but I'm just going to fill it in now. There's this kind of amazing episode of Always Sunny where Rob's character, Mac, who is heavily Catholic and has a lot of shame around the fact that that he's he's finally figured out that he's gay and his dad is a convict and he wants to come out to his dad and his dad's just a monster. But he uh, performs, comes to the prison and he performs this amazing dance number. If you have not seen it, you can just go to YouTube and just, you know, do Rob McElhaney, Always Sunny dance. He worked on this dance for months. It is amazing. It's like, it reminds me a lot of like one of the Sia videos where you've got Maddie, you know doing like elastic card or chandelier one of those it's like that just it's riveting and so ryan had messaged him after he saw that and you know with compliments and it was really brave and bold and it was it's it's amazing i can't say enough about it you should go watch it so they're online friends only they've not met in person but rob has talked Ryan into investing with him and then they have to then talk to the Wrexham Supporters Trust. That's who actually owns the team. And basically, this, like the, the town kind of owns the team. In the past, they'd had some, some raw deals with owners that came in and came out. And so now there's this trust that's kind of protecting the town and protecting the team from anyone coming in with something predatory in mind. So the guys basically have to convince the trust to sell to them. And Rob makes promises that, you know, they're not shady businessmen that are going to slink away. Uh, Ryan knows there's a a lot at stake and he promises that they won't let the team down or the town down. And then when they end the call, Rob jokes that Ryan always getting the last word. So people want to know, people in this little Welsh town want to know, why do these guys want our team? Brian Phillips is a local there, and he hosts a call for the actors to talk to the trust and explain why they want the club. Ryan says that, you know, anytime you're seeking approval, it's hard. He worries about imposter syndrome. So he he wants to come off very sincere because he is, and he worries that he won't come off that way. And the owners ask, you know, why do you want it? Rob talks about when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. He, he classifies it as one of the top days of his life, as big as when he married Caitlin Olsen, or when... You know, she gave birth to their sons. So he says, as a supporter of an American football team, he knows what this means. He wants to help Wrexham Red Dragons get their big, you know, Super Bowl moment. Ryan promises that if they approve their purchase, he, they won't take it lightly, that they're very dedicated. And then the call ends, and basically it's in the hands of the locals, and they get to decide whether they're going to trust these you know, Hollywood guys. Ryan feels good, and thinks it went well, and then he there's a scene where he's talking to Rob about the documentary because what's interesting is the cameras were rolling for this docu series before they got approved for the purchase. So what's interesting is I guess if they had not gotten approved, well that's that project shut down and they would have had to just axe that footage or you know put it on a reel somewhere but uh, Ryan was joking that as they were talking he could see on the call a big camera in the background of Rob's shot while they were filming him and you'll see when you watch the episode that some of the scenes are cobbled from the guy's uh, FaceTime video and then others of it you can tell that there were cameras in the room not only in Wales at the time but also with Ryan or also with Rob because they have nice crisp footage so it's really interesting they were already filming And uh, Ryan jokes about, you know, what the F looked like an IMAX camera in the background. So and then uh, in episode one, we get a little geography lesson for people who don't know where the heck is Wales. I'm lucky. I know where Wales is because I love Welsh TV shows. And there's a really great one. If you've gotten addicted to Welsh culture like I have and I was addicted to Welsh culture even before I discovered this show and then the team. Uh, if you like Doctor Who, it films in Cardiff, which is in Wales. And um, there's also a really great Welsh slow crime series called Hinterlands. And what's really great about Hinterland, Hinterland, Hinterlands, can't remember if it has an S. And I I cannot pronounce it in Welsh, but the Welsh name of the show is like Hinterland E I can't, mm, it's very hard to pronounce Welsh stuff. But what's cool about the show, and it's on BritBox and Acorn and a couple of places. And occasionally it'll pop up on like Prime or Netflix. They film that entire TV show two times, every scene two times. They film once in English and once in Welsh. And of course the Welsh version, you know, you can, you can change your audio to it, but it generally only airs in Wales that way. They're trying to keep the Welsh language alive because it's unique to their little country. Now, if you know about England so the UK is like two islands there's the island that contains Scotland England Wales that's the big island and then there's an island off to its west which is Ireland so the very north of the main island is Scotland and then England runs down the whole rest of it except for this little offshoot in the west it's almost like a little elbow like in your elbow rib area that's Wales and then at the towards the north, but not quite on the water, is where Wrexham is. So it's considered in North Wales. Wrexham AFC, which stands for Association Football Club, Wrexham AFC is the third oldest soccer team in the world. It's the oldest team continually playing in Wales. They play at the racecourse grounds, which is the oldest football stadium that's been in continuous use. Then we get a look on episode one at Bryn Law, who's a football commentator, and he's talking about how supportive the Wrexham fans are, even when they're really ticked off at the team and, you know, raging, which they do. He talks about how the, the crowds that would come out to the race course to, to see them play was as big as a lot of the, the bigger, like Premier League teams. In the But in the 1980s, the town of Wrexham, like a lot of towns in the US and in the UK, factories closed, they had an economic slump, there was high unemployment, and it just really took the town down a notch and there was crime and there was some bad situations. And as the town suffered, the team suffered too. They were relegated five times. And again, relegated means dropped to a lower tier. They were relegated in 82, 83, 2002, 2005, and 2008. That's how you go from playing in the top tier to the very bottom and then step down one more level. Um, the town and the club kind of interact and depend on each other and the locals you know, all feel that the team and the town deserves more than they've gotten. Um, and they all are passionate watchers of the team even when they're furious and, and yelling at the players. So then we get a look at some of the players. The team takes to the pitch. If you're American, the pitch is the field. They call it the pitch. So they head out to the pitch for practice, and we see uh, team captain Sean Pearson as the series begin. Luke Young is a midfielder that they also interview, and he's talking about the lifestyle of a fifth-tier footballer versus a Premier League player. You know, you got a David Beckham. He's making gazillions of dollars. He's got limos and all this. For a fifth-league player, it's not that. And then they delve into the actual finances where the top players – you know, Beckham earns more, but still any player at the very top premier level makes over $4 million a year. Down where they are at the National League level, it's around uh, £39,000 in US dollars. That's around $49,000. So that's not big money. And then we also see goalkeeper Christian Dibble talking about that people think when you're a pro footballer that you have a flashy car and all this, but It's just not that case when you're playing at this level and, you know, you're making basically a living wage but nothing glamorous. There's a really funny scene where they show some of the fans livid at a game where the team is lost and they're just spewing insults and uh, goalkeeper Rob Layton talks about the fans calling him a fat bastard when he thought he was, you know, in good shape and looking pretty good. And uh, Christian Dibble says that uh, he generally gets called a ginger effer. I I won't say that word out loud. So they're laughing about it. But, you know, that's just emotional. If you watch football, UK football, South American football, aka soccer, you know that the fans get emotional. They set stuff on fire. People get hurt at the playoffs at like the FIFA Cup and stuff. So it's no joke how passionate these fans get and how volatile they can be. Tyler French is a defender on the team at the while we're in episode one, and he says that even playing at the lowest level is still living the dream. He said, "You, the, the big dream is obviously, you know, National League, but that even getting to play professional football is is still a dream." Reese Hall Johnson is another defender, and he just talks about how much hard work it is. Daniel Jarvis, another midfielder, talks about how much they really want to win the league. Uh, another midfielder, Jordan Davies, he talks about how even being lifted up from the fifth tier to the fourth tier would be huge and he's really hoping that what they're calling the celebrity takeover will be good for the Red Dragons and the team. Now I'm going to step out of episode one and just offer you some spoilers. You can fast forward if you don't want to hear them. This is just about who's still on the team and who's not. Pearson, who was the team captain, transferred to Grimsby in 2021. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the timeline. I think in the next episode because it it's hard to understand when this happened but basically they were approved for the purchase at the end of mid-November 2020 and they came on as owners mid-season the season ends it starts in August and ends in May so they drop in as owners partway through a season and so they left the team and they left the management as it was because they couldn't make Big changes mid-season. So uh, Team Captain Pearson transferred to another team, Grimsby, in 2021. Luke Young, who we do meet, becomes the captain, and he remains the captain today. Uh, you'll see when they take the field, he has this little green kind of armband thingy that designates him as the as the captain. Rob Layton is still in goal, but French left Wrexham in 2022. Both Johnson and Davies uh, remain at the club Jarvis left they offered him a one-year renewal but he felt he wasn't getting enough time enough game time playing on the pitch so he stepped away and Dibble the ginger left in early 2023 that was mutual agreement by him and the team so he just left very recently so some more about this there's a a pub there called the turf and it sits like adjacent to the race course so it's been there he said that they actually the the club formed with people sitting there at that pub so that pub is central a lot of people watch the games there watch the matches there so it's a big deal and we see some of the fans talking about the next match that's coming up and them guessing at scores and people are still you know, kind of just upset about the way the season's gone. It's not great. And he talks about how his customers are always happier the Monday after a good match, aka after a win. Wayne Jones is the owner. He calls the, the Hollywood takeover a godsend because he said, you know, COVID made things worse there and everything shut down and then just all the stuff that's going on in the world. So, you know, this buyout November 2020 came you know during the height of covid where stuff was still happening everywhere then we meet spencer harris he's a volunteer and the current director of the club he's been on the board of the trust that owns the team for almost a decade he has a full-time job but every spare moment he has, he spends it devoted to the Rexham Red Dragons team. He does the budgets, he sets up meetings. He says he has put this before his career and his family, so it's it's definitely a passion project. And he talked about one of the big problems was during the pandemic. At one point, they were allowed to resume playing, but they couldn't have spectators in the stands. And at the level that they're at, the only money the club makes to cover its expenses. paying the players and doing the maintenance on the race course and everything is what comes through the turnstile. So if people aren't paying to get into the game, then the club doesn't have any money and then they're running at a deficit. So this Hollywood takeover is is crucial because coming off of all that, you know, they can't have been in a good financial place. He talks about getting out of the National League as the hardest thing to do because it's the lowest tier. It's like you're fighting up from the bottom of a, a crevasse trying to summit Everest with Everest being a premier and you're just like this crevasse and that's where National League is especially in fifth tier he knows they need change and then we see fans griping about Paul Rutherford who's another player who spoiler is also now gone from the club so Wayne talks about the the turf pub that he owns being absolutely chocker on match day what's fun about this show is throughout the show they'll tell you the English word for something, and then the American word for it, and then the Welsh word for it, because Welsh is a whole other language, and chocker means, you know, like chock full. It's really cool looking around the 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 turf pub. There's all these artifacts from the, the football club. The club is, was open 365 days a year until COVID forced it shut, and they're back to it now. He talks about how much the football club means to the town. It's not just a game, and he talks about past owners being there for the wrong reason. And he really thinks the town deserves a break. And it seems like they think this Hollywood takeover is the thing. Uh, Spencer Harris, who is the volunteer director, calls the guys and he reminded them that they needed 75% of the trust to vote yes on it. 91% of the people in the trust that were eligible to vote turned up for the vote. So almost everybody and they got, it was 98 point whatever percent. So close to 99% of the people who showed up to vote voted overwhelmingly yes to let them buy the team. So it's official. Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds own a UK football team. That was November 15th, 2020, when they got the call that found out. And they were already, as I said, filming the docuseries. So it's funny. And there's a scene towards the very last moments of episode one where the whole town is out celebrating the celebrity takeover. There's a guy who's in a Deadpool costume. They are doing fireworks. They're doing uh, the team colors and smoke bombs. They're chanting. And if you've watched one of the games, you'll hear it's, Raxum, Raxum, Raxum. And uh, so they are just chanting, and they are definitely excited about it. What's really interesting, there's a quick scene of Simon Hart, who's the Secretary of State for Wales, and he's in the the Parliament over in the UK, and he announces the purchase from the legislative floor. So this was big news all over the football world. Not necessarily, I mean, it was more like entertainment news here in the US, but it was sports news throughout the rest of the world that's very passionate about football, soccer, their form of football, you know. Um, So it's very exciting. That's everything that happened in season one, episode one, called Dream of Welcome to Wrexham. They gave us a quick lesson on where Wales is, kind of how UK football works with the tier system, why they wanted the team, and then them getting the team. So that's everything. And stay tuned with us as we recap episode two of season one next, when the reality starts to set in of managing this team that's way across in another continent from where the guys live. Thanks for listening and tune in again.